0: Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you, first of all, to Minister (laughs) Heyman. What a wonderful brother. I just love his prayers. I'm sure you do also. Um, what a blessed man of God and New Direction is blessed to have him. I'm Pastor Sam Harrell. It is an honor. I love it when my good friend Pastor Tony Benson calls me and and invites me to share God's word with the congregation of New Direction. I always count it an honor. Uh, It's an honor that I've had. I was thinking about this. uh, We first met in 2009 and so the Lord has blessed us to have rich fellowship all these years and I've had the honor of bringing God's word to you and I thank you for receiving me. I was honored two weeks ago to be interviewed on a local radio station in Philadelphia. Um, Pastor Brad Lacey has a a, a program um, and um, it's a gospel outreach program. And we talked about how when uh, often when he preaches, how God uh, first preaches to him. And I would say similarly that about today's message concerning my own self. But first, let's look at the text. And I thank Pastor Haman for reading the text and you're hearing. Um, but it says in um, Exodus chapter 17, if you look at just the one verse, verse seven, I want you to hear this uh, in your heart today. It says in verse seven, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us? or not. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we come to you this morning, humble in our hearts, God, praying that you would just speak to us today and in, in with words that you know help us hear things. We pray, Lord, thanking you that you know the ins and outs of our hearts. And and, and, and as we com- contemplate uh, the concern of the children of Israel in that uh, day, uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you would speak to us so that we know, Lord, just how you are with us. No matter what we are facing, we thank you for your goodness, God, and we continue to commit ourselves afresh to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7 says, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is a statement of complaint, it's an expression of discord and anguish, anger and even despair. You know, the word complaint is defined as a statement that the situation we are in is unacceptable. It's an expression of being unsatisfied and the desire when one finds themselves in that place is to quickly move to a place of resolution. We wanna move from the unsatisfied uh, unsatisfactory experience to that which is satisfactory for the place of a complaint is hard. You know, I think about complaints and how they dominate our minds and complaints occupy and preoccupy when you feel a complaint when something does not resolve when something is bothering you and hurting you, you have a complaint. It stirs the emotions and it has its own way of even recruiting others to commiserate with you about the issue. For I'm not satisfied. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? I don't know if you've ever asked that question when you've been going through it. Is the Lord among us or not? The word massal means temptation. And so the context in which this is used implies a tempting of the Lord um, that is not rooted in faith, but actually in doubt. And look at the audacious question that is posed by them. I am in an unsatisfied situation and they said, is the Lord still here? Is the Lord among us or not? You know, we ask that question because when we go through things we expect the Lord to be with us. In fact, a lot of us don't expect to go through stuff (laughs) because the Lord is in our hearts and the Lord is with us. And so the pain that is rooted in the question that the children of Israel here pose is the Lord among us or not is real pain, it's a complaint. Where's the Lord when the lights go out? Where's the Lord when that bill came and I ain't got enough money to cover it? Where's the Lord when strife hits the home? Where's the Lord in, in ending this scourge of coronavirus? Where's the Lord? And, and the word uh, mariba means strife or contention. This was the underbelly, uh, the underpinning of the question. They were in strife and contention. And this is the tone and chorus of their complaint. Is the Lord among us or not? Why does the Lord let us go through stuff? (laughs) Why coronavirus? Why is all this happening? Is the Lord among us or not? Now, uh, it says here in, in, in verse one, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of Sin. It says, after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for people to drink. Put a pin on that. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people, listen to this, and the people thirsted there for water. And people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children, our cattle with thirst? And Moses cries unto the Lord, saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, listen to this, go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel, listen to this, and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying is the Lord among us or not there was a complaint a thirst for water a murmuring literally grumbling dwelling on the complaint abiding in the complaint there was a target for their outrage Moses There was strife and contention or grumbling. That's what chiding means. They were chiding with Moses and strife and contention and grumbling. There was exacerbation and audacious accusation, is the Lord among us or not? It's a question rooted in pain and fear and doubt. Is the Lord among us or not? Now we are talking about the Exodus story. So the question almost feels especially out of place, is the Lord among us? Uh, For God has been demonstrably, among these people. For just days ago, their entire future trajectory seemed only to be that of a slave in Egypt to Egyptian masters. Is the Lord among us or not? Uh, Them having watched the Lord rescue them with a a mighty hand and 10 plagues that toppled the mightiest place on earth, Egypt, with an outstretched arm of God, is the Lord among us or not? (laughs) And yet now arriving in this place of thirst, They seem not to have that blessed assurance anymore. I teach a Bible study in Delaware, um, primarily with the Kenyan community, which I've been blessed to serve for uh, most of my adult life. Uh, Recently, our Bible study has been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount. And I I love this part of, of the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning part, because it starts in chapter five of Matthew. It leads with Jesus in a moment, very reminiscent of Moses on Mount Sinai with the people gathered to hear God, hear from God. And it begins with these words. You gotta hear this, I want you to see this. It begins with these words and seeing the multitudes. I'm convinced that the devil's favorite thing, my friend, is to accuse God of not seeing you, of not caring, not being there. It's what he told the disciples when they were on the sea. When the sea started to rage and the waters were going crazy and Jesus was asleep on the ship, their first statement was, Lord, don't you care that we are perishing? The word devil means traducer, uh, false accuser, slanderer, He's the one that, that 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 riles that up, that stirs that question in our minds. And a false accusation against God is the Lord among you. Is does he not care that you're perishing? So, Matthew 5 starts with this beautiful statement Jesus sees the multitude, and the word seeing there is not just more he had good eyeball work, it's not that his glasses were clear that day, but the word see there means to perceive and understand. Uh, God is getting you, he's he's under, he's touching base, he's he's in there. It's not just he sees with his eyes, but he, he sees with his heart and he feels your pain. And so, don't ever mistake this moment as a place of action accusation for God, not seeing you, no matter what we're going through, because Satan is just stirring it up. My wife is from Kenya, and I love this statement that the Kenyan Jews use. Uh, Sister Kenita loves Kenya, too. I love that. Uh, the sta- there's a statement that the, the Kenyans will say, and in, in Swahili, shatani ashindwe. <laughs> shatani ashindwe means Satan be defeated. It, it's a way of, of, of saying, hey, get behind me, devil. I'm not going to listen to that. Jesus sees the multitude, and he says, bless it are the poor in spirit. You got to get this, because this ties into our Exodus 17 passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, what is he communicating there? The word blessed or poor in spirit refers to beggarly in spirit. That means total dependence on God. My dear friend um, uh, this year uh, turned 50 as as I did. And and, uh, right after her 50th birthday, uh, my sister had a heart attack my dear friend uh, had a heart attack. And, and, and I remember when God brought her through that moment and, and, and she's okay now, thank you, Jesus. But when God brought her through that, she says to me this, and I love the, the power of this statement. She said, Sam, what have I learned through this moment? What has God spoken to me? That I'm 50 and I'm five. <laughs> I'm 50 and I'm five. That is, I'm in total dependence on him like a child depends on his mother and father. I'm both 50 Yes, in age, but I'm exactly five years old. Israel here in Exodus 17 faced a trial and immediately forsook faith and embraced fear, doubt. And they called the place Massah and Meribah because of it. So the two questions emerged for me concerning this Exodus 17 passages. How bad was it, Doc? <laughs> How bad was it in their mind's eye? Uh, and what, secondly, what was God trying to teach them through the trial? it might have application for us today. So let's quickly look at how bad it was. Let's look at the scene. Uh, It's the book of Exodus. So this was the impossible dream, right, of exit. Uh, Think about that. This was the impossible dream of achieving exit from a life of slavery, and now it has come true. It was not even something they could conceive of maybe three or six months ago. And now in glorious fashion, they've been delivered. Uh, not just uh, uh, someone just said one day, let them go, but God let them go in, ex- in express glorious fashion with 10 plagues visited upon the people of Egypt. And uh, and they delivered them also with spoils, <laughs> with spoils. They took possessions out of Egypt from their former masters. Look what God did. And it says they traveled and they journeyed from a place called scene. And that word scene means thorn and clay. It's adjoining a desert. So they passed through a place of thorn and clay. And you know, I always like to say when I read the Bible and something's called something is being described as thorn and clay. You know why that's described that way, right? Because the place was full of thorn and clay, if you think about packed earth and dryness and clay deep-seated deep, uh, deep seated that way, that, that, that's that's where they were. That's the experience, having come from Egypt through the waters uh, on dry land, here they are now in a place called Sin, the passing through the place of thorn and clay. Here, and here's what you need to get. It says they pitched in Rephidim. Now Rephidim is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It means to stay, it, it signals permanence. So, once you to get this, they're coming from a place of thorn and clay. They arrive in a place called a desert, Rephidim, and it means stay, a sense of permanence. So, literally, it was the desert. And between the land of thorn and clay, they pitched their tent there. They stayed there. It felt permanent. So, now you understand the underpinning of the complaint. I am thirsty in a place that feels like the thirst will never cease. I'm thirsty in a place called permanent. And then and, and, and it begets strife and controversy, even danger. They talk of stoning Moses and murmuring and accusation. Moses has brought us here to die. We are thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? You ever had your complaint unanswered? Your prayer seems to not been heard and, 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 and you're going through it and it doesn't seem to be ending. I'm in Rephidim. It feels permanent. It's dry and I thirst. Now, as you look at the passage, you will see the word of the Lord. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the word Lord mentioned several times. It's God's name, Jehovah, or, or the Hebrews would say Yahweh. I need you get this thought. Verse one, it says, the commandment of the Lord. Verse two says, wherefore do you tempt the Lord? Verse th- four says, Moses cried unto the Lord. Uh, verse five says, and the Lord tempt, uh, said unto Moses, go before the people. And verse seven says, they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? The word Lord or Yahweh is God's personal name. So while Elohim, another name for God, refers to God in his power and supremacy, Yahweh or Jehovah refers to God in his person. It's, it, it, it's the idea that this God who is transcendent has come near. Uh, the, the God who personally relates to you and me. Uh, so not just Elohim and his power, and that's mighty and, 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 all, and awesome, but it's God and his person, and that's who's being questioned here. The God who's normally showing up in my life, is he here or not, is the question to the personal God, the God with whom I have a personal re- relationship. You see it in Psalm uh, 103, he made known his ways to Moses. Uh, that's the personal acquaintance, and it says, it's asked unto the children of Israel. You know, God has ever bent on a trust-filled relationship with us. That that the place of dependency That that you might also utter, I am 50 and I'm five. I'm entirely like a child dependent on that God who I can trust. So the question of the day is: can you trust him in your desert place of thirst, in your referendum that feels permanent? And so we also have Moses. It's interesting how God uses the interplay of our experiences and our names. You know. The name Moses itself means drawn out of water. His very name is a reminder of God's power for he literally is stamped (laughs) with a name that uh, is a statement of God's power to save. He's drawn out. That is the circumstances of his arrival here as a child placed in a boat and set off in the waters uh, to to see if he might be spared uh, being killed. And and here he is um, in those waters, Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And and God strategically sets that up and he's drawn out and spared. So when you see Moses, you see a testimony. When you see Moses' name, when you utter his name, you utter a statement that God is able to save in a dire situation. So the ironic moment that we're looking at in this passage that even to evoke Moses' name is to remind us that the Lord is among us. In other words, when they ask the question, is the Lord with us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? In my complaint, in my thirst, that place feels permanent, is dry. When I'm hurting like this, when they see that, (laughs) they're really saying, prove it to me, God. This wasn't really a question. This is not a question. Don't mistake this as a question. This was a conclusion. God is not among us. And God's answer is both extraordinary and full of grace. You know, some people say, is grace found in the Old Testament? I'm like, grace is found all over the Old Testament. Look at the children of Israel. So let's read the next verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, go before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. I want you to think about that rod part for a moment, but and thy rod, take that with you too, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it and then that the people may drink and moses did so in the sight of the elders of israel you know it's interesting yes people staying in an impossible place and god's intervention water drawn from impossible sources he's the god of the exceeding abundantly beyond all you can think or imagine Uh, not bound by gravity, not bound by circumstance, not bound by human uh, uh, intervention or or invention, not not bound by anything. God is boundless, the God of the exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine. You have to ask the question, why did God tell Moses to tell them to bring the rod? Why the rod? Well, let's talk about the rod for a moment. I'm going to ask you a question right now. As you go through a challenge, as a mountain sits before you, as that thing that's insurmountable sits in front of you right now, and you don't know how you're going to get past it, I want to ask you the question, where's your rod? Where's your rod? because that rod had been used multiple times in this exodus story we first find it at the burning bush where 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 Moses is like they're not going to listen to me god if you tell me to go back and, and 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 say let my people go and god says pick up the rod he picks up this 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 staff or rod thing and god says throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake the power of God to transform an elemental thing of a, of a rod into a living thing like a snake he said now grab it again and it became back a rod that same rod that showed up and then in the, the the water turning to blood in, in the Egyptian uh, a, a moment of, of of trial and tribulation that God brought upon them in the plagues that rod that was stamped into the waters and the seas d- divided into two parts and they walked through two million people walked through that place as on dry land God showed up again and I'm asking you where's your rod when you complain against God when you think he's not there when you listen to the lies of Satan the devil the traducer the 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 accuser the false one of the brethren when he does that to you you need to say but I got a rod that tells me a different story see that rod has been with me to demonstrate that God has been there and that's why we need to have these memorial moments we need to say hey while I look at a mountain in front of me guess what's in my rearview mirror right now a whole bunch of mountains that I never see possible to get over in the past you see, you have mountains in your rearview mirror, you have a rod, you have mountains of experience that say, once upon a time they were mountains, but now they're behind me already. God has brought me through. So at last, then comes the memorial, and he calls the name of the place Massa and Mariba. It's like reminding them, when we, played, when we named the place, we're saying there was a moment when we gave in to, to doubts, when we gave in to fear, when we caved in the moment, and yet here Look what God did, water from a rock. Water from a place that no one could have ever in their best strategic planning, in their best putting their finances forward to try to solve the problem, in their best medical uh, contemplations, in their best this and their best that, and all of man's best prowess would never have thought that water could come from a rock. And he calls the name of place Massah and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel because they tempted the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? You want to test God? And watch God do mighty things in in, the, in our face, even when we come in doubt. God is blessed by faith. <laughs> That's what pleases God. So show up in faith. I tell the Lord sometimes. I tell you, I'm I'm not I'm not no superhero here. When I when I have a challenge. And I face a crossroad that sits before me and it says, it's dry, Lord, and there's no way out. I say to the Lord sometimes, God, all I got to show up with right now is mustard seed size faith. But the last time I checked scripture, you told me that can move mountains. That all I need is a mustard seed size faith. That tiniest little seed, you said that moves mountains. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So sometimes all I got is that, Lord but he does mighty things with that. Massal means temptation, where the place where they tempted the Lord or tested the Lord. Uh, Meribah, the place of contention, where they considered all kinds of things and they're murmuring against God. But God in his mercy and long-suffering put up with their murmur and not only satisfied them with their thirst for the day but caused them, uh, that caused them to question him, but Mariba will go down in history as an ongoing place of water supply at a place called Kadesh, the southern border of the promised land. You need to hear that. That water moment, that water from a rock moment now becomes the ongoing Water supply place, that desert place, that dry place. So when God delivers, it's so thorough and comprehensive. It's so amazing. It's so ongoing and long lasting. It's not just water for today that he satisfied, but he satisfies water forever. And So my friend Christy also declared in her dependency on God, I'm 50 years old and I'm five years old at the same time. She's a songwriter like me. And she writes this song that just really captures the heart. It says, satisfy my soul. Savior, let me know that this hunger in my heart can only be filled by you alone. Let me taste and see just how good you are to me, that the quenching of my thirst can only come when I put you first. Oh, Savior, won't you satisfy my soul? Another friend of mine wrote the following and I will close with that today. He talks about god's faithfulness and, and this whole idea of testing and 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 if you in psalm 78 we pick this up psalm 78 says we read and there we read about ephraim the largest tribe in israel uh it was the most favorite tribe of all numerous and powerful uh skilled uh, the people were skilled with the use of weapons uh well equipped for battle yet we read in psalm 78 that when the mighty tribe saw opposition they gave up and retreated even though they were better armed and more powerful than their enemy. They had resolved uh, to fight and win, but once they came face to face with crisis, they lost heart. In this passage, Elohim represents the numerous believers who have been blessed and favored by the Lord. They are well taught, equipped, and with a testimony of faith and armed for battle, whatever may come. But when the mounting trials and troubles seem too big, too much to handle, they turn back and quit, casting aside their faith. Scripture says Ephraim questioned God's faithfulness. They they said, yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give us bread also? Now look at the audacious nature of that. He, He got us through with the rock and the water. Now they're saying, but can he give us bread? and provide meat for his people. Psalm 78, 19 through 20 says that. They did not believe in God's wondrous works. They were, uh, nor were they faithful in, uh, in his covenant. Finally, the result was they limited the Holy One of Israel. Don't limit God. Ephraim's lack of faith and cowardice shook up other tribes in Israel. Imagine the damaging effect when they saw, when when the others saw what happened, uh, this highly favored people weren't able to stand. What hope do we have? Beloved, we dare not condemn Ephraim because we may be more guilty than they are. Think about it. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, abiding in us. Also, we have the Bible, the fully revealed word of God, fully full of his promises to guide us. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. He, Hebrews 11:6 six says, whenever we uh, hold our faith position through hard times, we have the same affirmation from the Holy Spirit. Well done. You are God's testimony. And as calamities increase and the world falls into greater distress, the believer's response must be a testimony of unwavering faith. There is hope for those who trust in God. As my song said at the beginning of this message, you should know that Jesus thirsted for our thirst, and in that place where we remain, once upon a time in Refidim, uh, stuck there, having come by thorn and clay in the wilderness of our own sin, and uh, between our sin and, and the promise of a Sinai, the place where God came down and spoke with Moses, He was the rock that was struck, that bore our blows, and 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 life-giving water came forth. And I implore you that no matter what desert moment you might find yourself in today, trust in the Lord, your personal God and savior. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that you are our savior. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you are our best friend. You said, don't even call me master he's our, you are our master. He said, but I call you friends. Thank you, Jesus, that you call us friends. And and Lord, I can testify 41 years in Christ, you are my best friend, and you are our best friend. So God, we just pray you surround us today. And whatever uh, uh, accusations that the enemy uh, uh, tries to put on you and say about you for not seemingly to be showing up, Lord, you are always at work, Lord. I thank you for uh, that, that refrain that one says we can trust God even when we can't track God. And you make sense even when you don't make sense. God, you're at work. Your promises are true. Your word is true. You said, let God be true and every man a liar. So Lord, we just trust you right now. In hard times, God, some of us are going through financial things, health things, story, with coronavirus and other health things, pre-existing, already existing health matters. Um, some are having strife in their homes, uh, all kinds of stuff. The world is tugging at our children's hearts to call them away as in the days Of Joshua and and Moses, after the days of Joshua, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. God, we we know that Satan is competing for their interests so he might steer them away, but you are still God. Last I checked, you were not just mighty. Mighty is too low a term for you. You are almighty. So God, we present our needs to you, our hearts to you. We repent of fear. Uh, Even if fear has its own sense of reasonableness, we embrace faith. Uh, Even even, uh, the scriptures tell us uh, that Jehoshaphat feared but it says, then he set himself to seek the Lord. Uh, he feared, but he set himself to seek the Lord. And he said, I have no might against this great thing that's come against me. Neither do I know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So our eyes are on you, God Almighty. We trust you. Increase our faith, even our mustard seed size faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, friends, I thank you for uh, allowing me to be a part of this service today to share just these few moments with you. And and maybe there's somebody uh, who was out there who has been been invited to listen in today who may hey, you you don't know that you know God for yourself. And I just want to just share quickly with you this this invitation from God's heart to yours. You know, in 1979, a Sunday school teacher asked. Uh, us kids, (laughs) how many of you are Christians? And I I remember raising my hand and at the same time I thought to myself, what is a Christian? (laughs) Uh, I went on from there with a question that just remained prominently on my mind. And I asked my mom and she proceeded to share with me that man man was separated from God because of thing called sin. She said that because of our sin, we were under God's wrath and God did not want wrath for us. And so she shared that God had great mercy on man and sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross and take man's punishment. Only Jesus could have done that, to bear all of our sin. Someone had to pay. So God not wanting us to pay, Jesus said, give me a body, I'll pay and all we have to do and this is this this is the coolest part and the most amazing part god having made a way for us he says all i ask you to do is believe on jesus ask jesus into your life and god said i will give you eternal life ask jesus to forgive you of your sins ask jesus to take over now he who took your place your punishment for you ask him into your life my mom asked me that day in 1979 uh they called me sammy then sammy do you want to receive jesus as your savior and i said yes and that day God saved me and he wants to save you too. So if you don't know the Lord, I'm, I have good news for you today. God Almighty, the creator of all the heavens and earth has you on his mind today. Uh, he, he, he's, you're on his mind. He's thinking about you. He loves you. He's drawing you. You're not here by accident. He wants to save you. So right now you can be made right with God Almighty, no matter what your sin has been. See, Jesus paid for our sins. And by simply taking him at his word, You can ask Jesus into your heart as your savior right now. And here's something you would pray. So I would invite you, if if you're willing to do that, give your life to Jesus right now. You can pray these words with me. Pray together with me. Dear Heavenly Father, today, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. And I ask that Jesus would come into my heart as my Lord and savior. You know, God says in his word, the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in me, that's, that's, that's you believing in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So if you prayed that prayer, if you met business with God, to ask him to be your savior, you are saved. That's it. He responds to faith. Do you believe and God loves you so much? And if you pray that prayer for the first time and you meant business with God, God meant business with you and God has saved you today, my friend. So we would love to support your journey. We would love to walk with you and know about it and, and love on you and, 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 and trust to be your best friends and walk with you. So I, I'm gonna invite you now uh, to, uh, to email us, contact us and let us know, hey, I made a decision today to trust God with my life, to forgive me of my sins, and to turn it all over to Him. And if you would do that, here's an email address I want you to write down. I'm gonna repeat it. It's info at Info at I invite you to email us today at info at thenewdirection.org and just tell us about who you are and let us get to know you and let us pray for you and let us help you walk with Jesus. And 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 we, and we invite you to do that. We also offer our phone number 302-654-2700. Just that easy. 302-654-2700. And if you call that number, someone's waiting to pray with you and to talk to you about your decision to follow Jesus. But well, I thank you all again for allowing me this time uh, to be with you today. and. Uh...